Good evening and welcome to The Gamut. This is Pastor Seth live at St. John Lutheran Church here in Athens. And we are so excited to be launching our podcast. Tonight is night number one. Uh, can we say hi to our whole crew if you all would say hello, good evening? Hello. Good hello. evening. And also good evening. Hello. There you go. Fantastic. It's so glad to have you. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to welcome our crew so you guys can get to know the wonderful personalities that I have in the room. Uh, can everybody say hi to Miss Erin, our tech person on her earphones? Everybody say Hi. Hi, Aaron. Yeah, it's so glad to have you here, Miss Aaron. Also, secondly, we have Michael. Can we say hi to Michael, everybody? Hello, Michael. Hey, Michael. Hi, Michael. It's so glad to have you. Miss Jenny, can you say hi? Hi. Glad, so glad to have you this evening. And, of course, there is the ever-famous and wonderful man. Everybody say hi to Chandler. What's up? You yes. sound so excited and so enthused. Get that boy some coffee. We need to give you some Lutheran lemonade. Get the extra caffeine. <laughs> that being said, we have a wonderful and brilliant theologian in the house. Can we please say hi? And would you say hi, Monsieur Hubert? Hello. We're so glad to have you this evening for our wonderful podcast. That being said, tonight we're going to be talking about everything that is related to baptism. So if you have had any questions ever about the concept of baptism, we will be running through all of that. This probably will run over into other sessions because people have questions. I found as a pastor many, many times that folks go, what about this or what about that? Because they've only heard a certain section or a certain piece of what baptism is. And so tonight we're going to jump right into this text. And uh, to my wonderful panel here, if you have any questions, please jump in. Let's talk about this wonderful topic because it is a very real thing. It's something that we have to talk about as Christians, as people, that we need to know everything that you could possibly, possibly know about this wonderful gift of salvation that comes from the hand of our Lord Jesus Christ. So tonight I'm going to start with this topic of what is baptism. And in order to get into what is baptism, first we have to start in who we are. Who are we? What have we walked through? And one of the questions and the loaded words that we have in the church, one of the, the most loaded phrases that I absolutely can't stand is sin. And I can't stand it because I'm scared of it. I can't stand it because of who it is and what I am. But I also just drives you crazy because so many folks in our culture, especially today, go, sin? Oh, I'm going to burn if I do such a thing. What a horrible thing that I've done. And it just drives you crazy because, you know, as a pastor, I think of, yeah, okay, there's things that you've done and there's things that you've left undone, as Paul says, right? And as First John 1 says so clearly. But also it's something that we are. It's something in who we are. You know, folks were asking all the time about where science and all of this. And I go, well, uh, consider it a, a genetic disease, if you will. It's something that is just a part of who we are. Are. So uh, just a, a quick question, and you guys don't have to answer if you don't want to. Um, what is your sin of choice? Anybody got a favorite one that you absolutely love? Everybody's staring at themselves I mean, wondering. quite on the record. <laughs> yes, it's very much on the record. We are going to record it. Everybody's hiding from their microphone right now. Uh, I, I, can, I can tell you one. Uh, I don't have tact. I just d don't. I, I, I don't do tact, and I can't. I just can't keep my mouth shut. It's a problem, as you can hear me on and on. Miss Aaron, go for it. Well, if I had to really just throw my business out there and tell you what sin of yes. choice. Yes. I guess it would just be cursing. That's probably like, that's that. That's probably it. So it's only when you stub your toe in the middle of the night that you yell out something fun? or No. No, unfortunately it's not. Oh, I know. Oh, you foul mouth thing. Is this your official confession? 
Yeah, we'll go for it. You, you, you are forgiven. I feel like okay. cursing as a sin should be discussed at some point later. Yeah, well, of course. The yeah. things that we That's say. The, t- the tongue <laughs> is the rudder of the soul, and we don't want to follow that. Uh, and defining cursing as a concept. Right, right, right. And defining that, that yeah. idea of what that means, right? We want to <laughs> go on to, into the old third <laughs> commandment, the second commandment, what all that means. We'll get to that eventually. So, Chandler, dare I ask, what is your sin of choice? Leaving the toilet seat up. Oh okay. <laughs> Did he go. actually <laughs> say that? Oh no, my goodness! Uh, that being said, like we all have something that we do, but instead, what I want to—wow! There, there goes my whole train of thought. Um, gotcha. Oh, oh, yeah, me. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. Probably worry or cursing, but worry is a a big one. Word. I don't know that. I'm, I guess we'll get into it later, but that's an issue that I have and it's sort of debilitating <laughs> completely understandable you know at, at what point do we I guess put our trust in God and I don't know if we can even count that as a sin it more more of a I guess a result of our sinful nature you know that we get excited yeah. Michael go ahead yeah um, a lot of times it's the sins of omission you know when you know that you're supposed to do something and you don't do it for whatever reason it is maybe you're scared or nervous or um, you don't have the confidence or, you know, you go through things like Moses where you just make up the excuses to, to not, or Jonah, you know, where you run away and you don't do the thing that you're supposed to do. Right. It's kind of like that old cartoon where you've got an angel on one shoulder and you got a demon on the other and the demon's kind of going, I got you. And, you know, takes off running and instead of something a little bit more, uh, I don't know, God pleasing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when we say that every Sunday, you know, it's kind of one of those things where folks just get into the rote of the liturgy, you know, because we come from a liturgical tradition where, you know, it seems like stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. And instead we say First John 1, if we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it really does hit you more. I think it hit me a lot more when it was the omission because the commission I can like put the I can rattle those out like, OK, here's what I did today, tomorrow. Uh, next week, next month, but the things that uh, I didn't do, right? Because then you start to question, like, what didn't I do? Like, what was I supposed to be doing? Yeah, like, did did I go to that person that I need to forgive and forgive them, or did I not do that? Very much so. Yeah. Or uh, should I? There's an even harder question. Or should I have to do that? Right? I thought, I thought the, the, if Jesus was the one that did that, should I even have? Uh, is, isn't that something God did? What if they ask for forgiveness and then uh, th- they're forgiven and I'm sitting there with still with that guilt? You know, you were talking about or that weight on my shoulders. How am I supposed to what, what am I supposed to do? You know, that becomes a, there, there's hard questions and moral questions. You know, hey, what am I supposed to stand up for? You think of all the things that like the gospel says we should do. What is it that I'm supposed to be a part of or supposed to do? You know, you start asking that question. I don't know. It's, it's a hard one. I don't know, Huber, what do you think? You're giving me this, this, this odd look. Like, what is it you're supposed to be doing, I guess? I think that largely falls under primary and secondary purposes in life. Okay, please elaborate. Like, like we all have ideas of what we should be doing at all times. So, like, uh, I don't know. Say you're playing a game, like a video game. Right. And you have, like, the main storyline. Right. And you're trying to accomplish the main storyline. That is your primary objective your primary mission right in the game that's what you're supposed to be doing 
throughout the whole thing, but there's all these like little missions and stuff that come down, like secondary quests, Side quests. and stuff. Yeah. Right. So you're looking bigger picture, small picture, meta narrative versus the small tactical stuff. Yeah, sort of like there is an overarching thing probably in your life you're trying to do. Like we're all trying to survive, right? But day to day survival isn't necessarily the only thing you're focusing on. So you might be focused on surviving all day every day, but you know, right now you just want to play with a puppy or something. I don't know. So what not necessarily <laughs> the choices we make all the time as opposed to how we come to those decisions, how we make those choices, like what the driving force is behind what we do. Right, yeah. The, I don't think the human brain can just focus on one goal or one thing you're supposed to do, just more of a hodgepodge of things you are hoping to do. Mm-hmm. Or the old honeydew list. Yeah, in a way, but like more on a higher level. I got you. Like, yeah, got you got to take care of yourself every day, but there's a bunch of different functions of that, and there's a bunch of other things that you can do or want to do that have nothing to do with that. It's funny you're using that language. Paul says it so clearly, the things I do and the things I don't want to do, right? I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't want to do the things that I do. It's funny how we end up using that such a silly <laughs> word, right? Uh, what I do. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good point. Good point. Well, I'd, I'd like to present um, – Kind of Psalm 51, and uh, if you want to grab that and take a look at it, I'm in Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. It, it really hits us kind of where we are. It's, it says, um, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, such a loaded word, and cleanse me from my sin, such an emphasis there. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, love that old Hebrew word, I brought forth an iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. So right off the bat, we have this idea of, like, we're born into it. I always say, like, thank you, Adam and Eve, because I wasn't created that way. You know, in in the creation, it was, everything was good, and then Adam and Eve just totally messed it up. And now we can say, great, thanks. You know, if we're descendants of that, like, fantastic, thank you. I appreciate the gift there. But the text doesn't end there, thank God. It says, verse 6, Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being. So there's a little bit of that, like, inside. You know, what's actually, thank thank God that there's something within me. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Now, the kicker of this is, you know, Scripture, it talks about, uh, even within myself, like the law is written on my heart. In other words, there is some sense of conscience. I mean, even like headhunters. In, in countries, and you know, they always ask that question. What about that person on a little island in the middle of nowhere that's still running around with, uh, you know, hunting hunter-gatherer cultures? But Jesus says the law is written on your heart, and even those weird cultures still have uh, the law written on their heart. They have some sense of morality, like they have a right and wrong. They just don't know what that is. And I, I always talk to folks about like evangelism. You know, it's like we need to go to door-to-door knocking or something. It's such an outdated model. When in reality, I think folks still have an idea of the world's kind of messed up, right? We, we still have this sense of, I don't know, conscience. Like, we know. I don't have to tell somebody, you're sinful. They already know. I always tell folks, why don't we, why don't we take a, a plug, like stick it in your ear and put it on a big screen, like everything that you thought, and show it to everybody you know? Like, how, how would that turn out? Oh, mm. dear, let's not. Yeah, please no. What, Jenny, you're not open for that? Um, Hard pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know how that goes. I know Hubert wants it, definitely, uh, as he sits here and grins like a minx. I get it. Um, but scripture says this, and it continues on here. It says, teach me the wisdom in the secret heart. So in other words, show me from my inward being what it is that I'm supposed to do. Show me what those things are. 
And then there's some Old Testament context here. It says, purge me with hyssop. Now, the idea of purge here, like, that's a kind of vile word. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I don't just want to be, like, told, like, don't do that, like my parent. Like, purge me. Like, rip it away from me. Tear it out of me. That'd be kind of painful. Mm-hmm. Right? It's more than just a Sunday morning where I bless you from the altar. I don't know about you, but like purging, that just scares me. Yes, a lot of people that have uh, purged their closets will understand this <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> or you you've like cleaned out your house. Yeah, except this is the closet where you keep all of your sins. But yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, and anybody that knows what it's like, especially when you work with another person, I'm not going to say wife or loved one, but you know what I'm getting at. Uh, when they tr- you try to purge someone else's stuff, how many of us want to hold on to that thing that's, you know, it's special? It's oh holy. Yes, I come from a long line of those that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just hold on to things. How for dare you throw that pair of I don't know sandals that are duct taped together from 2004? How dare you throw those <laughs> things out? Those are sacred. <laughs> come on, just throw it. A out. lotion bottle from 1996. <laughs> oh jeez. Ew, it's like glue. You're gonna use it for cement or something? They are seriously. You could like use it for a doorstop. But uh, it says here, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. Oh, I miss that. I grew up in the north. How beautiful that is. It's a great white north. I hate it. <laughs> I lived in the north. <laughs> there's pictures on the internet still. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere there's pictures on the internet. There you go. Uh, but wash me is I- and, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let my hear joy and gladness. Let my bones that you have broken rejoice. What a beautiful language. And notice it doesn't say here be happy. Like, like I, I heard one of the, the no worst sermons ever. <laughs> you know, it says, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> you know, one of the worst sermons I ever heard was that Jesus was always happy. Ooh. And it made my eyes melt. Yes, There's very didn't specific examples in the Bible <laughs> where that is not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and then he said, well, um, well, Jesus is always happy, and so should you be. Yes. And I went, yeah, I'm sure he was a peach when he was being crucified. He never <laughs> <wept>. <laughs> there well, is I not know. a scripture that says Jesus wept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or uh, you know, when he's thrown over tables. <laughs> I'm sure he was really yeah. fun in church. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, always, I always laugh when it comes to tithing. That thought goes through my head of, like, you know, they're talking about fundraisers for the youth group or whatever. I'm like, so when do I get to throw over tables? <laughs> that would be awesome. You want to really raise money? Watch Pastor lose his mind. Well, you know, Please? growing up, like, in the church, I and mean, people would tell us, like, basically if, like, you couldn't have any kind of, like, sadness or, like, depression because that was, like, dwelling in darkness and, you know, Light can't be where there's darkness. And what a bunch of garbage! Yes, isn't it? it's That's hard. Not real it's hard to overcome when you're having struggles as a young person. And you know, I, I heard a funny story. I don't know if it's funny, but it's it's beautiful actually about Mother Teresa. Right? We know Mother Teresa from Calcutta, and she said, uh, "I always wanted to be the saint of darkness." And I always wonder what what does that even mean? And she said, uh, "You know, when when I die, I hope that you know God calls me home." I, she trusted in her faith, but. She says, when I die, and I, I'm, you know, St. Peter's sitting there at the gate, and uh, and they say, good, well done, good and faithful servant, and they open the doors. It's in that moment that I, I know that I would turn around, and I would say, uh, here are these, these people behind me that don't know Jesus, or these people that are struggling in their anxiety and their depression, and they're not sure if they're going to make it in, and I would gladly give up my salvation for someone else, and I would turn around, and I would, I would grab them, and give them my salvation just because I know the sorrow that they're walking through. Wow. And, 
and I think about Jesus on the cross, right? Like, that's actually what's going on. Like, we think of hell as this three-day period, and, and it's, it's not the case at all. Like, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, he's literally handing over his salvation to us and saying, I'm cool with being separated from the Father. It hurts. It's painful. I mean, he's screaming in tears, but to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, that's beautiful. Right, yeah, just because he knew where he was going from the time he was born, that doesn't mean that it wasn't a struggle to accept. Like, he knew that it was going to be pain and suffering, but he did it anyway for us. You know, I was, I was thinking Mary, God bless her. Like, here's this poor 12, 13-year-old girl, right? She has a kid, and here shows up uh, these wise men, which, by the way, there's not three. These Navaim, these prophets, these <laughs> seers, right? They're, 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 they're not. They're like bone readers, you know, they, they come from probably the Zoroastrian tradition in Iran. And they show up. What do they show up with, right? Frankincense and myrrh. Uh, uh, that's like showing up to a, a baby shower with embalming fluid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, here's your casket for when your kid dies. You know, that, that's, that's really some words of grace there. Poor kid. She's 12 or 13. <laughs> I mean, my, my kid's nine. Like, I could imagine her in a few years, you know, talk about emotion. Wow. Yeah. Trying to accept that gracefully. Like, uh, thank you. Right. And especially everything she's been through. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, she's got an older husband and everybody, you know, she's already an outcast among the other people. You know, they thought that she'd been messing around for a while. And she comes back and she's great with child. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really. The Holy Spirit. Woo. <laughs> you know, and, and they come back and. Say that again. <laughs> Messing around at 12 and 13. I know. And the culture's going, what's the deal? And poor Joseph, you know, here comes his, his wife that he's already probably given, what, two bulls and a cow for? And, and and then you find yourself in this situation of, oh, yeah, great. And then here come the bone readers. You know, here come all the, the free. And I'm sitting here in a in a nativity with a couple of sheep and some disgusting shepherds. You know, they, I'm sure they smell great. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and, and by the way, there's a, a guy that just killed a bunch of uh, infants who's coming after mine, and you have these Roman guards. I mean, what a beautiful <laughs> scene. And then the angels show up, you know, glory to God in the highest and the place in which his glory dwells, and they're singing this military march, the heavenly host. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I mean, you grow up hearing that, and you get the nativity story over and over and over again, and it kind of loses its shock value. But when you put it like that, it's a whole different story. <laughs> you know, I, was, I always joke with my congregation about how, uh, you know, Sunday on uh, when we're f- preparing for the Christmas play or whatever, we used to bring in the kids, you know, with their cute little, uh, uh, you know, pipe cleaner halos or whatever. And they come in with their cute little robes and they're singing, you know, all their little Christmas songs. Let's get biblical. Like, let's be like angels, you know? I want to see thousands of eyes like Ezekiel. I want to see flaming swords. Heck yeah. Six yes. wings, you know? Let's, let's get it biblical. And I want to hear him come in instead of singing some cute Christmas song. I want to hear him like a, a military march. You know, they come walking in, and you know, I could just see the parents. Couldn't you see like a bunch of kids with flaming swords? Oh, nightmare. yeah. <laughs> Talk about like Elf on the Shelf. Like, I want to see something <laughs> burning. Can I, can I sign up? For yeah, that? yeah, yeah, exactly. Chandler leading the group. Good. Heck yeah. You can give us the guitar riff as they walk in. I mean, they played with harp and lyre anyway. Why not? Let's, let's hey turn man. this into a real party. That's a that's modern age harp. As you can tell, we're already going down some big rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, back to the scriptures. Where were we? Okay, verse 9. Real, real quick, if you don't yeah. mind before that. Please. I uh, just was looking up, you know, purge me with hyssop because I couldn't remember what hyssop was. Apparently, it was used for 
a lot of herbal medicine, but it was used to stimulate the gastrointestinal system. Okay. I guess I'll, I guess I'll I clean out something. I was gonna guess like something with alcohol for cleaning wounds. That was not the direction yeah, I was no, going. It's wow, it's, it's the precursor to activated charcoal. Wow, what commentary are you reading? It's I've the, never the heard prune that. juice. Uh, Wikipedia. Oh yeah, okay, Wikipedia. There we go. We all know that's the academic source. We get we get the hundred percent facts. Here. I tell you what, <laughs> Wikipedia tells me everything. It, it, but, but think about that hyssop thing. I mean, you know how sins were forgiven in the Old Testament, right? Like, it, it's kind of an interesting story. Like, it scares me as a pastor, I'll tell you that. Uh, the high priest, the way that he did it is, he, you know, he had his robes on. And you can't go into the Holy of Holies uh, unless you're the high priest. You go in and you wash your hands and you wash your feet. And then they put two uh, ropes around you. They put the golden rope, and then they put a scarlet rope around you. And you go into the Holy of Holies, and you, you'd offer up the sacrifices for the people. And, and if that was accepted then that scarlet rope would turn white, and they'd pull you out. Everything was cool. But if you didn't make it, like, face melting, <laughs> right? It stayed scarlet, and the rope was actually to pull the bones out. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, like, when I wear my robes, I'm doing the white rope. <laughs> and if I wear the gold rope, something's up. And if I wear a scarlet one, I'm not doing church. Like, we're just going to go ahead and cancel this Sunday. <laughs> uh, something just seems kind of a little bit freaky. But uh, if you think about that, like, that's why we wear the robes. You know, it talks about the, the blood being washed away. And then what would happen is the, the priest then would come out with a sacrifice, sacrifice, the blood of it, and he'd have it on this branch, this hyssop branch, and he'd start, you know, throwing the blood on the people because that was a sign that they were forgiven. Mm. I, I think we should do that Sunday. Any, anybody game? Um, let me think I'm about type that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll type B positive. Go ahead. <laughs> Who's not going to be here Sunday? Me. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is essentially that the sprinkle that you're describing is, right. is baptism. Okay, we'll get to that in yeah. a form. In a form. Okay. In yeah, a form, it will be fulfilled. That's something baptism. I'm excited to learn about is talking about the different traditions and why different denominations do things different ways. Oh, honey, I will, we'll get to it. <laughs> I've got it on this whole list of baptism because there's all kinds of crazy questions that will come up that deal with the different traditions. And uh, just to put it out there, you know, when I think of the denominational thing, I always think like. Uh, Say Native American um, nation, you know. I think of the different tribes, and we we come from one of the tribes. Uh, but when we get into baptism, I, I'm gonna we'll get to that. But we got to think first Old Testament because no text is a proof text without context, and so that gives us kind of an idea of how sins are forgiven. That the high priest offers up a sacrifice and then gives that forgiveness to his people. But it's kind of scary for me as a pastor. You know, I think like Ezekiel 33, like that blood's on my hands if you guys don't get in. That is scary. So you talk about the things that you do and the things that you don't do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my job. I'm absolution man, right? I had a great <laughs> professor that used to say, like, I need a big A on my shirt. Not scarlet letter, but a big A for uh, <laughs> absolution man. That's where my mind went. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's my job to make sure that you guys get in. So uh, every time that, that, Aaron, you drop that uh, colorful word, you know, I get to get on your case about it and, uh, uh, and say something. So just so that you know. No pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fair, but I think I already have a person to do that. And he's called my husband. Oh, here we go. Oh, there we go. Look at those two young couples. Oh, my goodness. They are so cute. By the way, um, so that being said, I'm just not going to try to even try to transition out of that. It's just cute. Okay. Mm-hmm. So verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones you have broken rejoice. Hide my face. Or I'm sorry. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. That idea of hide my face, hide your face. Like, we don't want God to see it. Like, I was talking about that screen thing. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, the creator of all universe to be like, oh, hi. 
I see you. <laughs> That's creepy, especially when like you're in the middle of it. It's like Monty Python, you know, God like looking through the clouds. Oh, at you. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Great yeah. movie, by the way. Everybody, go watch it right now. Fantastic, fantastic. Th- yeah, it is. Finish the podcast first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. Don't yeah. stop what you're doing. Is what he said. Right, you're gonna be pulling an all nighter, aren't you, Chandler? Hmm? You're gonna need it on all nighter, aren't you? That's a Monty Python fest. Oh heck yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, so. Um, when it says here, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. You know, there's this idea in the Old Testament of like, I don't want to see the fullness of God. And if I did, like face melting experience, he's perfect. I'm not. Yeah, 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 totally. Absolutely. Like that is an absolute great (laughs) reference. Another great film. There goes another movie marathon we're going to have to do of Indiana Jones. (laughs) But there's this sense from Isaiah 6 where uh, Isaiah gets this vision of what it is to be in heaven. And he gets to hear the angels singing this, you know, beautiful, beautiful song. And he sees God on his throne. And the first thing he says is like, woe to me, for I am unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. There, there you go, Aaron. There's your, your unclean lips. Uh, the wonderful. I'm just going to pick on you all night because you don't have a microphone. So uh, <laughs> there's, <Can't> rebuttal. <laughs> there's no rebuttal. Uh, but there's this sense of like, I can't stand before the presence of God because he's so holy. And I'm just not <laughs> like I am just not even. And that's scary when you think of it. But he says this, uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There, there's this sense of when we have a clean heart, right? Think of surgery. It's painful. And when you get a new heart, what's the first thing that you have to do in a medical sense? Like you need anti-rejection meds. Mm-hmm. So when somebody asks, like, why do I go to church? Why do I take communion? Or why is it that I do all this stuff? Congratulations, you just had your your, your uh, anti-rejection meds. Yeah, your your, your immunosuppressors. Well, I don't want to say suppressors, but they uh, every metaphor breaks down, Jenny. Quit laughing. So, <laughs> but it's an idea of keeping uh, keeping you on the right place, keeping you in the right place, continuing to move you in a right direction, renew a right spirit within me, because there is a fullness here. I think that uh, David's getting at in Psalm fifty-one. That it's not just the outer things, but it's something that is within me, that the Holy Spirit would continue to walk with me and and to continue to move within me. He says, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Notice the term joy and not happy. We don't want to get into the happy, clappy, buddy Jesus stuff. (laughs) Remember buddy Jesus? Like, oh, I I, I know I'm your friend. (laughs) But yeah, exactly. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold with me. And notice that phrase, a willing spirit. Wow, like I want to do. And and, and I think there's really a, a sense of grace here. Like when I look at things that would cut us down, I go, no, I, you know what? The good things I want to do and continue to move in that direction. It's a, It's interesting, especially in this verse where it talks about the joy of your salvation because a lot of times – we don't necessarily think of Old Testament when we talk about salvation. We think of that as things that come after the New Testament, after, you know, the resurrection and stuff. And now we're to follow um, in baptism, and that's part of our salvation. But this is, I mean, this is Old Testament. Generally, people discuss the Old Testament in terms of historical sense as opposed to, you know, active in our lives. You know, there's actually a church movement uh, in the early church where they went, let's just throw out the Old Testament. All we need is the New Testament because, you know, that Old Testament, he's just the God of wrath. You know, is that the Gideons? <laughs> <laughs> no, those are the people that put Bibles in hot in uh, hotels. 
Th- they just hand out the little New Testament oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Right, right. Psalms is in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psalms yeah. and Proverbs. But, but here's the <laughs> kicker, though. You talk about that joy in the Old Testament. My favorite verse from Scripture, it's one of my favorites. Like, if I get a tattoo, it's going in there. Uh, it comes from Psalm 30. It says, though sorrow comes at night, joy comes in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, and notice that, that joy stays there, neither good nor bad. Like, I can be in the pit of uh, the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23, but I still have joy. Like, we are people that do not mourn without hope. And, like, we are a people with hope, you know, and it, it always drives me crazy, like, at, and, and my congregation knows this, like, when we do Good Friday service, which is not Black Friday, it's Good Friday, and it's Good Friday for a reason, that when Jesus says, you know, it is finished, and he takes that, that, that deep breath, you know, I've done it, I'm, I'm good, he breathed his last, then in the tradition of the church, you walk out like the disciples, because you didn't know, like, I don't know that, that, that Jesus, what, what happened, like, everything's over, I've dropped everything and I followed Jesus, now what? And then we leave for three days, and I think it's horrible theology. Because I used to think, not growing up in the church, that it was like, great, now for three days I'm supposed to mourn. Even though, like, we're doing something good, and I read the scriptures, and, and he talks about, like, for three days he went down to hell and preached the good news, right? It should be a celebration. So after Good Friday, and my church just hates me for this, I keep saying that on Good Friday, let's make it good. So the minute you walk out of the church, like, you celebrate. Mm-hmm. And I was part of a congregation that did that, and I was just horrified. Growing up in a, in a church where, like, three days we're supposed to cry and be sad and all this kind of stuff. Like, the disciples, I mean, there's history there. And we follow in the line, like, what happened to Jesus? But, but like, we know. And this is the same thing during Lent. Like, everybody gets so sad and somber. And that's all right and good for repentance. But I always throw in a hymn that says, Hallelujah. <laughs> throughout, throughout Lent, I always throw it in. And I remember the first time I did it, the whole congregation, it was like a Scooby-Doo moment. Right, right. You know, like, what is, what, like, did you, did you check that hymn for an hallelujah verse? And I almost got kicked out of the pulpit, like, with my hair on fire for doing it. Well, I understand the, the traditional aspect of, you know, what the tradition is. But I also understand that, you know, we have this history that we can look back on and we know the end result of it. So why not have the celebration? Why not have the hallelujahs and know that, you know, that's what it all culminates into? Sure. And I, I think that repentance is a good thing. Like, it, it's not a bad thing to, you know, as the Old Testament will say, like, rend our garments and, and find ourselves uh, with, with ashes. And, and what that's really getting at is an emotional place of I realize who I am. You know, it's like we want to just throw sin out the window and just say, well, I'm good. You know, I can continue to do this. And we'll look at Romans 6 where it says, shall I continue to sin so the grace may abound? And Paul would say, by no means. Like, I know I'm forgiven, so I'm just going to go do whatever. It mm. cheapens grace, and that's, that's just – I, I say that's garbage. I don't know. I, I think of the uh, theologian uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer during you know, the World Wars, and he would say that's just cheapening grace. That's, that's just silly. Like why would you do that? You, you've just taken the cross and thrown it out the window. I mean th- Hebrews 6 is clear on that, right? You're re-crucifying Christ over and over. Why would you do that? You know, by no means, and we all know the translation from that, right? Like – by no means in Paul's language is not just, okay, stop. I don't know why they translate it that way. I need to do like the Seth translation uh, because it's, it, it's a pretty colorful, colorful, like knock it off and I'm not going to go down that because I don't want to break the, that commandment. I don't want to start talking. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll write it on the board so that everyone can see it. It goes on the board, but we're not going to – it's the thing that shall not be said. Um, but, I, I, you know, I don't want to go down that route. But when you say by no means, it actually means something. Like it, it's a changing – thing I, i'm good i'm baptized now why would i want to be a slave to that paul will actually call why do i want to be set down into those kinds of places and, and i don't think any of us would want to be 
But he says here, you know, hide my face, create me a new heart, O God, cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. There's almost this kind of fear that God will leave us. Like I messed up and now God's gone. Why? You know what I mean? Like we have this fear, and I see it all the time where, where somebody will walk away from the church because they've, they've had a bad situation in life. And they'll say, well, i got to get right before I go to church. And I'm like, dude, if you were sick, you'd go to the hospital. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and even, that, even in that phrase, we kind of smile and go, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to go visit the doctor. <laughs> well, uh, what somebody talked about earlier, that about light not being able to have any association with darkness. So, you know, from, you know, all the things that I've taken in and from what I understand, you know, God is not compatible with sin. So when we sin, it's not God walking away from us. It's us walking away from God. Right. And so that fear and that um, despair, if you will, doesn't come from us thinking that God walks or from us walking away from God, we think that God's walking away from us because we just don't understand that relationship as well. And maybe that's how we understood it in the first place that God was walking away from us. But we just go back to that because it's natural, even if we do understand how it, that relationship works. Right. I, I think there's kind of two aspects to what you're saying here. Remember the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, when, when Adam and Eve have already fallen and you hear God saying, like, where are you? Right. Adam and Eve, what was the first thing they do? They, they hide themselves, right? Mm-hmm. They, they realize that, that there's shame involved, and that's really what, you know, it is. It's shame, uh, na- naked and shamed have the same, is the same context in, in the Hebrew. And so they, they find themselves like going, now, now what am I supposed to do? Like God is coming, and I know it. And really what they're saying is, is God is giving them an opportunity to find grace. Like it's kind of like my kid, you know, I, I want to stick a fork in a light socket. Well, it's not good for you. And so I'll go like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to throw my kids under the bus because pastor's kids, you know how they go, but. I'll say their name, and I'll be like, where are you? When I know that that sound in the other room means they already broke something. Yeah, uh, who so broke I, it? Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, but I don't have to ask the question. I just say their name, and where are you? And all of a sudden, what was the first thing they do? Hide under the bed or go run in the closet or you know whatever. Um, I think that the, the other aspect of this is really starting to understand that God is still there. It's, it's not that he's going to walk away from you, right? It, it's not his absence. It's our absence of realization that he's already there. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's on our part that we don't understand that he's still there, but we're the ones that have turned away. Right. And, and I think that idea of think, – think of a marriage, right? Like, like I know that, that uh, Aaron, you and Michael are, are a perfect marriage to use, and you guys love each other with everything you have, and you've never had any problems ever. Like every married couple has never had a problem. And I see Aaron just, just running to the microphone. Um, oh, yeah, never. <laughs> but but, but uh, think of like if, if you guys never dated or never talked. You're still married, Right. But I'm never going to talk, and Jesus talks about the church like his bride, right? And he says that I'm, I'm the groom and, and the church is the bride. If you never talked, how would that work? Michael, <laughs> 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 it wouldn't. So basically what we're saying is we're married, but we would never talk, right? Yeah, us in the church, us, us in Christ, sure. I mean, if it was like between mine and Michael's marriage, worked perfectly, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where that was going. Oh, but, yeah, speak, you know, thinking of the church, no, it would never work. Right. Yeah. You know, if it, the, the longer that you stop talking and the longer you stop going to church, the more that you have the excuses not to go. 
And I find that so, so often. Like, well, you know, I'm not going to go this Sunday. And then all of a sudden, somebody becomes a every other weeker. And then somebody comes a one, once a monther. And then they come a, like every, you know, five times a year. And then it's always funny because then you get the Creasters, right? The Christmas and Easter only folks. And what's always funny, this is hilarious, a total side note, that pastors absolutely, everybody that's a pastor understands this. Folks, you know the, the one Sunday that folks come to church more than Christmas and Easter? The Sunday before. You know why? Because they don't want somebody to tell their family, we haven't seen you in a while. And I think that is absolutely hysterical. So if you look the Sunday before Christmas and the Sunday before Easter, it's packed. And probably what's worse right now is we have COVID, and that's like the biggest excuse. Oh, and I understand, but I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it, you know it, where I'm going. It's a hard one because, yeah. you know, we have to do the six feet and we don't want to get anybody sick. We want to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, love our neighbor as ourselves. And we want to be responsible, but you're still at Walmart without a mask. You know what I'm saying? Just saying. Like, and and I, again, like I'm I'm a masker, absolutely. Like I believe in science. Any Christian that doesn't, you know, you're, you're way out in left field. Science <laughs> is a good thing. Doctors are good. God created science, right? Like, vaccines come on, amen. Autism. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, vaccines don't give you autism. Like, there are so many things that we go. Yeah, of course, that's just common sense. But using things as an out, and I would say it's just COVID. Like I would say anything. You know, I always talk about, like, if I really don't want to be at something, my kids are an instant out. Like, oh, and I know Aaron and Michael, you guys have a new baby. Like, you completely – don't tell me you haven't done it. Where you're like, oh, the kid was uh, – didn't sleep. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, I uh, – Chandler, oh, I had a gig Saturday night. Hey, I'm making money, man. What a bunch hey. of garbage. No, but it is our excuse for being late. I'm a livelihood. <laughs> yeah, so, so what's your excuse for being late constantly, to everything? Constantly late to everything. Yeah, no, we just – we blame it on the guitar player. That's how it goes. Uh, but we always find an always out, I and I never understood that. It just seems like the, the first thing that has to go in life for folks is, well, everything's gone to chaos, so let's just throw church out the window. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody can find a million reasons every week not to get up and to do anything. I mean, when we talk about church, like, there's a million reasons you could say, well, I'm not going to go this Sunday. But the one reason that you need to be there should trump everything that you can possibly think of. To say I shouldn't go or I can't go. It's like that old joke of the pastor. Uh, there's this guy and his wife, and uh, he, he he wakes up and his wife goes, "All right, come on, we got to get up, you got to go." And he goes, "I, you know, I don't want to go. Uh, you know, I don't like the people." She goes, "That doesn't matter. You still have to go." And he goes, "Well, uh, you know, I I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to have to go through the morning. You know, for ladies, put on the mask. You know, of makeup or hair." <laughs> Uh, and he goes, I, I still don't, don't want to get up. I don't want to shower and go through. I just want to sleep in. Can I just have one Sunday where I just sleep in? And she goes, no, you still have to go. And he goes, well, wow, those people are so judgmental. I don't want to go to church. And she goes, listen, you're the pastor. You better show up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we all have that, that reason. But I think what we're, we're missing in, in all of this, like, uphold me with a willing spirit. And it's not just going to church, right? It's not just that. I think it's upholding a right spirit in what we do, and, and I think we need to take a concept of who we are, right? Because it, it's a holistic salvation. It's not just uh, what I did wrong. You know, when, when you're forgiven, it's like all of you, right? Jesus didn't just say, uh, you're forgiven because um, you did X, Y, Z. That's not how it works. Like, it, it's your whole personhood. And I think this is when Paul, when he starts to understand this idea of grace, he says, imitate me like I imitate Christ. What he's saying is, like, I'm doing 
God stuff. Like, like he's good. Like I'm forgiven. Am I still going to struggle with my sin? Yes. And we get into this kind of paradox, which we'll get into later. Simul justus efficator. Like I'm a sinner and sane at all times. Um, we're still going to fall short, but yet we still need you know, those spiritual antibiotics. All right. Yeah. You don't, you don't stay home from church because you need to get right with the Lord. <laughs> you go to church to get right with the Lord. <laughs> Yeah, I always, I always find that, you know, folks, that it, it amazes me to see the different worldviews of why people go. You know, I go because I, I need a business relationship or I go because I need to be seen or I go because uh, I'm supposed to do that or I'm going because I've always done it. You know, I go because of my, my group has always hung out at church. You know, it's like a coffee shop deal. Not that we don't have amazing coffee in a Lutheran church, but um, you still see these folks that, that do this kind of this <laughs> random. Yeah. Hubert, you're our coffee. Uh, we have to do a whole new podcast on just your product coffee. Placement. Yeah, product placement. Uh, so, uh, Hubert, by the way, have you tried our coffee? I actually haven't. Oh, I've only been to your church once. You sinner. You horrible, <laughs> sinful. We've got to plug you into some serious. We need we need a new coffee guru. I mean, I love our Folgers that we just kind of put in a can and throw out there and all. Because you know we need we need we need caffeine. Like, let's be honest, it's early in the morning. I'm right there with you. I have my morning Coca-Cola because I don't need coffee. But we need you. We need you for coffee. Please. We'll even give we'll give you the Bartista rule. You have a huge kitchen up there. You can go nuts. How's I did just drink a 32-ounce cold brew before coming in today. So all right. nice. That's why you're so perky. Or is that just to normalize things? I think we're about even keel right now. Well, there we go. For this time of day, is he's, he's right on. Right, right. You know, it's, it's always funny. I had, I had a little kid in church, and uh, – all of a sudden, one Sunday, he started being real perky instead of falling asleep. So I asked the mom, I said, so what's what's going on? Is it, is it the Holy Spirit? Like, what's up? Just to kind of poke and prod at her. And uh, she kind of laughed. She goes, no, I started giving the kid Mountain Dew. I said, you gave her Mountain Dew? She goes, I thought it was Sprite. And then I found out how excited they were to be in church. And so I just said, yeah, go for it. And then I found out the kid had Mountain Dew under the shelf. They gotten into Dad's stash. <laughs> Hysterical. Well, anyway, we're, we're in about an hour or so, and – and I, before I jump into the next piece of text, which unfortunately now we're just getting to baptism. Like, you see what I'm getting at? Like, this is going to take a while. Uh, but there's a lot of grace found in this. But there's a lot going on here um, in Psalm 51. And it really gives us an idea of, of sin and some of the things we've done, some of the things we've left undone, uh, and our need for grace. But I wanted to, to leave you kind of with a closing thought, if you will. First of all, just thank you for listening. Uh, we're glad to have you. And uh, I'm so glad for our panel here. Thank you all. This is our, our first run at this. And um, Thank you for your grace to continue to be with us. But I want to leave tonight with a, with a word of prayer, if, if, if that'd be all right. Um, so uh, let's pray. Uh, Blessed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for tonight, this opportunity to gather in real time. As we start to look at all of the ins and outs of faith to uh, discuss who we really are in real time, we're, we're tired of fake church. We're tired of not having conversations about real life and how this applies. I ask tonight for all those that are listening, for those in the room, for those in the congregation, for those outside, for those that are anywhere that might hear this, I just want to say thank you for all that you did for us on the cross and that you took it on for us despite ourselves. I ask that you guide us now and always. And in Jesus' name we say amen and amen. amen. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.